My guest today is Dave Resigi, Chief Shepherding Officer and founder of the Resigi Group. Dave works with leaders, teams, and entrepreneurs as they lead themselves, lead others, and lead their businesses. He joins us today to talk about his experience as a professional coach and how he brings ideas, strategies, and more to allow their clients to drive their productivity. I'm Paul Blanco, and this is Small Steps, Big Wins. All right, Dave, welcome to our show here, Small Steps, Big Wins. I'm so excited to have you. And obviously, uh, prior to you doing some coaching here at Barnum, I've been following you and uh, I appreciate you um, continuing to nudge me to get to here and to really to see what you're all about. I'm super impressed and you've been doing such a great job with my people and when I look at the industry, I'm really about impacting as many lives as possible, and you're truly doing that. So thank you, and and welcome to the show. Yeah, brother, thanks so much for having me, and I, I uh, appreciate those kind words. No, you got it. So I want to dig right in to uh, something that really stood out to me. So you, you know, your personal mission is defined in a Greek word. So you want to talk about that and and give me some color around that. Yeah, sure. So uh, I don't share this too, too often, but my, my undergraduate studies were actually at a Bible college in Chicago. So in studying to be a youth pastor, which I'm certainly not at this point in my life, uh, I took a year of Greek. And I, I think the Greek professor probably only passed me from the class to get me out because it was not a strong suit of mine at all. But the, uh, the Greek word poimaino means to shepherd. So for me in my life and in my business and my company, you know, first and foremost, you know, faith and family are the two most important things in my life. So I aim always to be led by the great shepherd. And then I want to shepherd Jennifer, Charlie, Chaz, and Cameron. So my wife and my three children. And then third, I, I talk about shepherding the flock of God in the financial planning world. And, and that's certainly uh, you know, I, I don't exclusively work with people that align themselves with a particular faith, but just important to me to shepherd people, you know, protecting them against things that could come into their life that could harm them. And also just guiding them, uh, on the journey of their business and their life, wherever that, that leads them. So yeah, that's my mission. I love it. I love it. Now, I guess, I guess my, my big piece for you is, you know, you come into the business over a decade ago as a financial advisor and you have a very successful practice and you're yeah. continuing to build that. And I love that. Like, I think it's almost like a training ground for you to ultimately train people. But then you've really, you know, came on the scene as a professional coach. So what made you do that? And uh, what was the what was the genesis behind that? Yeah, yeah, I... um you know, I had some phenomenal coaches all the way back in elementary school, middle school, high school. So I graduated high school in 2003. And as a New Yorker, that's a proud year for us being Syracuse Orange fans, or at least I'm a Syracuse fan, because that's the year they won the national championship. Yeah, That was the same year my high school squad won the state championship for the league that we were in in, in basketball. 
So, you know, seeing the way that my two basketball coaches in high school led me and really drew out of me what was the inspiration inside me, that was always something that excited me. So then I started my coaching journey in college coaching sports. I I coached seventh grade boys basketball and seventh grade girls soccer. And then when I came into the financial planning world as a financial rep, I had really phenomenal leaders around me that were coaching me. So even from the early days and weeks of me being in this industry, I really got an excitement around, man, one day I really would love to do more of the coaching, the training and the development. And, you know, the genesis of this turning into a business, I'm kind of one of those stories of, (laughs) in a way, failing forward, right? I mean, I, I ran a practice in Chicago for only about a year and I loved the business. And then I gave all of my clients away to two good friends because I left the business for a short period of time thinking I was going to go be a preacher. And I ended up not pursuing that path. And all during that transition in my life, I was dating Jennifer, but we were dating long distance. So I just knew I got to move to South Florida. I need to pursue Jennifer. I already had the ring. I knew I was going to ask her to marry me. And when I relocated to Florida, I, I joined the industry again. But when I, when I met with the, the CEO of the firm down there that I associated with, I let him know like, Hey, I'm not going to go run a financial planning practice again, because I think at some point I might go be a preacher. I don't really know what my life's going to look like, but here's what I'm passionate about. I love developing people, especially at that point in my career, developing young advisors. And I love coaching them around their habits and their disciplines and their mindset and their language. And, and ultimately like the way that they go about influencing other people to do things that are in their best interest. So, you know, I ran what I would say was a coaching business as an employee of companies for about a decade. And while I was an employee, uh, I built a side hustle and the side hustle is now what turned into the rest of the group. So in April, 2011, I started coaching advisors uh, for a fee. And then, you know, a number of years later that turned into a speaking, traveling around the country, speaking to different financial planning firms. And uh, now, I mean, that's what I do all day, every day is training, coaching and, and speaking. I love it. I love it. So I, I love you made some points there. So first off, probably some of my uh, greatest mentors and leaders were for me through athletics, through high school, college, youth sports myself and uh, my dad, who was at every game. And uh, I reflect back on those things all the time. So it was really nice to hear that because I think when you find those right coaches, no matter if it's professional or business or sports, um, it definitely, you can definitely emulate those people. So I love that. So when you start thinking about young advisors though, and you talked about maybe we could unbundle a few of those things that you made comments on. So what are the habits that you see as you're going around coaching now for a while? What are some of the habits you see that make them successful? Yeah, for sure. I mean, you know, in, in our business, it's so entrepreneurial, even if you join our industry as part of a team with veteran and senior advisors, I mean, you still have to have this level of grit and determination to succeed in the face of a lot of adversity. So, you know, one of the disciplines that advisors need is coachability, right? I mean, you've got to depend 
on people who have gone before you and created success, when they tell you, here's what you need to do to be successful, regardless of your age, when you're new to this industry, you've got to lean into those people and trust that they have your best interests at heart and they're telling you the truth of what you need to do. So, you know, practically in our business, it's such a personal relationship and introduction driven business for so many people that you've got to master the art of asking people for introductions and asking people to help you and your team extend your impact out there in the world and introduce you to other people. So there's this language that you've just got to, you've got to memorize, you've got to internalize it, you've got to personalize it. And then, you know, overcoming adversity, right? We, we reach out to people to offer ourselves as a resource and explore if the work that we do can be valuable for them. A lot of people are going to reject that, right? Or they're at least going to ask us questions because they're trying to figure out, does it even make sense to invest time with this advisor? So they're going to give you objections, right? They're going to ask you, well, what exactly do you do? Or, hey, I already have all that stuff, or I've already got an advisor that I work with. And, and all that's great, but the way we make people feel when we respond to that objection is far more important than what we say. So we've got to master words, but we also need to master communication in a way that makes people at ease and comfortable with us. I love that. Now, let's talk about, do you think, have you seen where you can teach that? Because some of it's natural to some people, and maybe it was to you when you started out, but have you had success getting those right, that, that language and teaching that language? Yeah, for sure. I mean, everybody learns and grips on to a set of training differently, right? But what I've found to be true, and this could be, you know, a 22 year old straight off a college campus that comes into our industry or, you know, your 30 year old career changer that gets into our business or, you know, somebody 45 plus that it has been in a number of awesome executive positions and they decide they want to, you know, run a business in this arena, right? Everybody wants to hear someone who has mastered their craft say their craft, right? So we need to model the language and the process for a new professional. So when they can see you do it exceptionally well, they then start believing, wow, that was awesome. I could, I could learn how to do that too. So you need to model it and let them hear you and see you do it. But then what they crave, or at least what I find they crave is they want to have it scripted out so that they can read verbatim what you said, and they want to be able to hear it and listen to it over and over and over again. Because most of the time they think, wow, if I could just say that the same way Paul said it, I'll be able to be as successful as Paul has created for himself. So when we can show them excellence, and then we can give them excellence in the form of a written script, in the form of an audio file or a video recording so they can watch us. And that's where that saying repetition of the parent of learning, right? They can go out, they can practice it. They can do the work to, to memorize it, to get it in their head. Then they can do the work to, through repetition, internalize it and get it in the heart. And then over time, they're going to personalize it. They'll make it their own by bringing their unique personality to it. So, yeah, I, I think as long as they're coachable and they're willing to put in the work, anybody out there could become great at that. 
Yeah, I, I feel the same way, and and I love like how I love how you said that the head and the heart, and I think that's critical, and you have to put the work in. So, talk about the other piece of what you said, putting the work in that discipline. Are you finding that as you start coaching younger advisors that come into the business, do you find that that discipline is natural to them, or do you find that there are some people that you know, you're pushing them to that, or is it just that they're maybe not experiencing that from where they're getting coached today? Yeah, I mean, you're certainly going to see the whole gamut of individuals, right? So in in our industry, I think when leaders like you or leaders like me or a lot of our friends, when we diligently pursue selecting the right talent to this industry, those people that we've invited into this career, they are going to have the, that level of coachability and work ethic, and they're going to they're put in the work. Unfortunately, there's many times where people come into our industry and maybe they just weren't the right fit. And those are the people that I find are, are more challenging and need more pushing. And that's not to say that, that they can't turn into phenomenal advisors, but uh, initially, you know, they got to want to, is probably one of the best rules of coaching. They've got to want it more than you do. So I'll always share with people, you know, I'll care up to the extent that you care. So if you care a hundred percent about what's going to happen in your practice, I'll care a hundred percent. But I, I, I made a promise to myself, I'm never going to care more about your business than you care about it personally. So. I love that. And, and, you know, Dave, I wanted to take it in another place. I, I think about, sure. you know, one of the things we we focused on and I focused on a lot of my career was advisors get to, at many points in their career, they get to this like ceiling of complexity, right? Where they've done well and they need, they want to break through, but there's something stopping them, you know, uh, to unlock that that next level of potential. Do you, have you been finding that out there? And when you do find it, how do you help them through that? Yeah, I, I certainly find it. And listen, I've, I've experienced that even in my own journey, right? I mean, you, you hit a level of success that you're comfortable with and whether you plateau because of lack of ability or lack of desire or fear, right? So what, what I think is most common that I see is when people get to a level of success and then they, it's like they hit that glass ceiling. Most of the time in my experience, there's, there's fear and there's either fear of success or fear of failure. Right. And most people think that professionals fear failing. I'm not going to make it or I'm not going to be able to, or imposter syndrome, things like that. Most common that I see is people actually fear success. They fear if I do break in or when I break into that next stratosphere of excellence, am I going to lose friendships? Am I going to lose connection? Am I going to lose time with family? Am I going to lose the ability to be at every game or am I going to lose, you know, that that's their fear is if I get so successful, what am I going to miss out on? And I, in reality, when I talk to highest performers who perform at levels far beyond what I perform at. Those are people that say the better I perform, the more margin I have in my life to spend time with people and places that I care the most about. So yeah, I would agree with helping them break through that. 
yeah, it's helping them break through that fear of success. Yeah, I, I love how you said that. And because, you know, I, I was working with a top advisor recently that literally was going through that and basically saying, I don't even deserve the success I'm having. And mm-hmm. they have to work through that because the person's at the top of their game and they have to see where they could actually go if they if they get rid of some of that, you know, I guess for a lack of a better word, that head trash, right? Yeah. And, well, and you know, you know what? I'll interject just super quick. Yeah, right? People say, I, I, I don't deserve that, right? What I would want to help that advisor through is that's a, that's a really good, humble approach to thinking about your life. Sure. It's not that you do or don't deserve something, but you need to have a, such an exceptional level of gratitude that you've been blessed with a skill set or an ability to create success and then ask yourself, what do I do with this success? How do I steward this so well where I can give it away to others by serving more people? So yeah, I lo- just to interject there for a brief minute. No, I love it. I love it. And, you know, so one of the things that I think super important when you're dealing with advisors or any entrepreneur is, you know, their mindset. And yeah, I know that one of the things I find is sometimes as coaches come in and they're not there each day, you only have a very short window to help with getting their mindset in the proper place. So why don't you talk about, and I'd like to talk about mindset and really skill building as the next two pieces of what you do as a coach for them. So maybe we could unbundle mindset a little bit. Yeah, sure. You know, I mean, I, I think those go hand in hand, right? I mean, a lot of times people wonder, should I focus more on my skill set or should I focus more on my mindset? And in our business and in many entrepreneurial endeavors, it's not an either or question. It's an and question. Yes, we should focus on both of them. So, you know, I, I think when it comes to what do people believe that they're capable of and what do they desire and why do they desire it? Yeah. I just believe like you think of Vince Lombardi, right? He said that it's not the will to win that's important. It's the will to prepare to win that makes the difference. And I just believe at the end of every single day, we're all going to look ourselves in the mirror when we're brushing our teeth at night and and we're kind of going to ask ourselves a question and we might not actually ask ourselves this out loud every night, but but what we're asking ourselves is today, did I live out who I am at my core, right? Did I live out who I am and why I believe I exist? Because if every single day you live out who you are, your identity, and you live out why you did what you do, your intention, then I believe what you actually do practically will make a, a massive difference. And that's where you know, what do we think success is in our lives? And I just believe that what John Wooden said about success, his definition of success is my absolute favorite. Wooden, the the former men's basketball coach at the UCLA Bruins, he said, he said, success is peace of mind that's a direct result of self-satisfaction in knowing you did your very best to become the best you're capable of becoming. That's what we all should be pursuing. My belief is that's what we should be pursuing day in and day out. 
I, I think that's awesome. And thank you for uh, sharing that. So, you know, you've been in this industry now for a long time. And uh, yeah, where do you see it going the next five years? The industry itself? Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, I had the privilege because of the work I do with a lot of awesome Fortune 500 and 100,000 firms that I, I get to spend time in the back of large rooms when corporate leaders are sharing things. I actually spent time in a room where John Vaccaro a few years ago said, you know, that financial planning firms of the future are going to feel and look a lot more like law firms than they do financial planning firms. I'm sure you remember that because I think you were probably in that same room. And yeah. I really, I embrace that when, when I heard him say it. And I really think the industry there's going to continue to be a place for your solopreneur that wants to come in and run their own thing from the very get-go. I hope that will continue to be a spot for, for people that just want to run alone because we can, we can bring in tremendous talent and recruit tremendous talent to that model. But we're already seeing the future in front of us right now. I mean, you're seeing a lot of phenomenal talent join other talent and build as a team because as a client i that's what i want from from my advisor i want to know that there's a team around him not just support staff or analysts but truly multiple people that can give me guidance and be at the center of my life so you know i think we're we're going to continue to see a lot of phenomenal teams we're going to see a lot of phenomenal opportunity for entrepreneurship to continue within the business um i think the way that we bring solutions to our clients. I, I don't believe that um, behavioral investment counseling will ever go away. I mean, that the, the value of advisors is they're coaching a client around behavior. So as much as technology will continue to improve, I think that human interaction aspect to the relationship will always be there. Yeah, I actually, I actually think the human interaction is going to get more and I look at it as you know, advisors are going to be more like life coaches to to clients to help them to unbundle the experiences they want for the future. And it's not only going to be the financial goals, but it's going to be the goals of what they want to do with themselves when they when they go into whatever that next chapter is. You know. Yeah, well said. And to your teaming one, I agree with you. I, I think that I think it's important that we still have opportunities for individuals to come in, but. When I think of a brand new advisor coming off the campus, I think it's less hard if they go on a team and get all that mentoring and that coaching that you talked about and someone that can reinforce the stuff that a coach like you bring to the table on a day-to-day -day basis and you know help them through some of the different challenges that you face in, in your early yeah. part of your career. And I think that uh, teaming, I agree with you 100% that that is the future of of the industry for uh, for us going forward. Um, do you when when you when you think of the balance of running a business, you know, having your personal life, being entrepreneurial? How do you see, you know, that the big word for the millennials is this work life balance? And how do you, how do you look at that and how do you coach on that? I, I like thinking of it in terms more around the blended life. You know, when I think of 
work-life balance, right? By definition, balance means equal weights, right? Equal measurement. And it, it realistically, there's going to be times, multiple times in our lives where we're, we're going to purposely choose imbalance. But what we're all really looking for, I believe, is a, the maximum levels of satisfaction and engagement, right? Like you think about a smoothie, right? <laughs> a strawberry banana smoothie does not have the same number of bananas and strawberries. But when you blend it together, it makes for a really good drink. So I really think about, uh, if you think like a New York style pizza, we're both New Yorkers. I think about eight slices of our life. I think all of us, you know, we value our family being the first one. We value our friendships. The second one, we value our careers. We value our financial lives. We value our educational growth and the things that we're learning. We value our, our faith or, you know, whatever we do to serve other people. We value our health and our fitness, our overall nutrition. And then we value socially and culturally the things that we do for fun. So my approach in helping any leader achieve a greater blend or a rhythm to their life is a quarterly process of three things, rejoicing, reflecting, and re-blending. Uh, so often we as leaders and achievers, we're always asking ourselves, what, what more do I need to do to become a better version of who I am and to achieve a, a greater level of success? And that's an awesome question. I just think the timing of that question is critically important. I think you should only ask yourself that question after you've taken some time to rejoice and celebrate how far you've already come. So every single quarter, every quarter without fail, I do an offsite personally, and I coach my clients around this, spend time with your best client. You are your best client. Take a look back, reflect on the last three months, the previous three months and celebrate what are the biggest wins that you have accomplished in your life and rejoice at all those things that you're doing exceptionally well, because that elevates your spirit. And it reminds you, regardless of where I'm at today, high or low that I might be at today, there are things in my life that are going really well. And then after you celebrate, you rejoice. Then you want to reflect, do a self-assessment, ask yourself something like, hey, on a scale of one to 10, how do I feel like I'm doing in each of those areas of my life? And a 10 would be, I'm awesome. Life couldn't be better. And a one would be, I'm failing miserably. Like it's causing me a ton of anxiety and frustration. Where are you at? And give yourself a visual of all those different areas of your life in a, in a picture form. And then the re-blending is ask yourself, okay, thinking about the next three months, what are one or two things in each of those different segments of my life? What are one or two actions that I am 100% in control of that when I do them over the next three months, I will know and I will feel like I'm making really significant progress in each of those segments of my life. And after you do that, I mean, you have a one page business plan for your next three months, sort of like what Brian Moran and Mike Lennington would teach in the 12 week year, right? You've got your, you've got your 12 week goals, you've got your tactics, and then just go execute on the things that you said that you were in control of that when you do them will make you feel great about all those areas of your life. So 
yeah, keep it simple, but you know, keep keep shorter period check-ins. I love my that. thoughts and beliefs about it. I love that. If for anyone of that is listening and you're driving, go back and rewind and listen to this one again. I think that was probably one of the the best um, answers I've ever heard on work life balance. I love the blended. I love the eight categories. And what I find is the best entrepreneurs, as much as they celebrate, they're also really hard on themselves. And I love the idea of stepping back and not thinking what I could do better, but thinking what I did great to start the process. Yeah. That. Now, do you just go a day and you just buy yourself for the whole day when you do that? Yeah. So, I mean, we just relocated the family from South Florida to Greenville. So I've got to, to Greenville, South Carolina. So I've got to find my new spot. But what I used to do is I, I would go to the breakers in Palm Beach for the day. I'd go by myself. I would go to a place that inspires me. So the breakers, for those of you that have been there, you know, it's one of the most beautiful, beautiful yep. properties in all of South Florida. It's right on the Atlantic Ocean. There's successful, great people walking around property. And I just go to a place where I'm outside the normal rhythm of my life, where I can have some quiet time in my mind and in my heart. I sit in a comfy chair, I eat food that fuels my body, and I just, I, I spend three, four hours going through that process, and it's unbelievable, unbelievable. Yeah, I love it. I love it. I think that's awesome to do that, and, you know, it goes back to the preparation that you talked about earlier, about uh, how you prepare for stuff, and you're preparing just for life on it, on that, on, on your quarterly basis. I love it, and uh, yeah. I think that's, I think that's something awesome, so talk about yourself for a second, the next five years, like what's some of the next things that's ahead of you? Man, I'll tell you what, a lot more of the same. I mean, I feel like I live an exceptional life and a rhythm right now with my business and with my family. So I want to keep doing in the next five years, everything that we're currently doing just at a higher level. So, you know, I did many, many of your listeners are probably familiar with the name Harry Hoopas. And if they're not, they, they could become familiar with Harry. So Harry was kind enough to have lunch with me in Naples, Florida, uh, a number of months ago. And he asked me a similar question. I looked Harry in the eyes and I said, Harry, actually one day I might want to think about buying you out because what I want from my contribution to the industry is similar to what Harry's done. You know, he's created a library of content that can help great advisors become top 1% or the top 1% of the 1%. I want to do the same for advisors, but I really want to recreate that type of content in a way that is attractive to the current freshmen in high school. So where the, the video content that they are provided is cutting edge, best in class. Uh, so we're working hard on that. That's our DBA is the industry. We've created the industry there. Um, and then, you know, just more impact with more people. So, you know, I speak on stages right now to audiences typically of, you know, 30 to 200, right? Uh, I'd love to speak on a stage with an audience of 5,000, not because I care about how many people are in the audience, but because I care about how many people are inspired to go out and make that ripple effective impact. So, yeah, just impact more people. That's what I want more of in the next five years. Well, we're totally aligned. Uh, our mission here and my mission is to impact as many lives as possible. So uh, I, I love yeah. that. And by the way, the industry needs it. 
And I love how you're looking so forward that you are uh, looking to the people that are going to be in the business in eight, 10 years from now and, and how you get ahead of that. That was, that's really awesome. So in closing, when I think of what you said today, you know, the name of the show is Small Steps, Big Wins. And you gave so many little incremental things that you can do on a day-to-day or a year-to-year basis to get those wins. What would be the last thing you would share with the listeners that you say, hey, you know, my last, the, the here's one of the biggest things that I would do if I was you, what would it be? Yeah, I mean, there's so many things that I could choose to say, but the one that's just immediate in my mind the hashtag that I like using is hashtag intentional gratitude, right? Um, the best thing that I do for soul care for me in my life and in my business is on a very regular basis, practice intentional gratitude. Ask yourself in this very moment, what is one thing that I'm deeply filled with gratitude for? And the reason that comes to mind is because, you know, John Gordon, who's a motivational speaker and author, great, great human being, he, he says you can't feel blessed and stressed at the same time. Those two emotions can't coexist. So when you choose gratitude and you feel blessed, you tend to experience far less of the negativity and the, the, the stress in life. So that would be my, my one thing if I only had one thing. I love it. I love it. Dave, listen, um, I'm going to listen to this one over and over again with a pen so I could take some notes. You're impacting so many lives out there and, you know, you will be speaking in front of 5,000 plus people. And, and I think you'll be impacting people in many other industries because the, the way you're looking at things and packaging things up to teach people is, is incredible. So keep doing what you're doing, man. And, uh, super proud to, uh, be associated with you and, uh, excited about our future journey together. And thank you again for being on the show today. Thanks brother. I appreciate you. You got it. Take care. Thank you for listening to small steps, big wins. Please rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. All opinions expressed by the program participants are solely their current opinions and do not reflect the opinions their respective parent companies or affiliates or the companies with which the program participants are affiliated. Investments or strategies mentioned in this program may not be suitable for you, and you should make your own independent decision regarding them. This material does not take into account your particular investment objectives, financial situation, or needs, and is not intended as recommendations appropriate for you. You should strongly consider seeking advice from your own investment advisor. Securities and investment advisory services offered through qualified registered representatives of MML Investor Services, LLC, member SIPC, 6 Corporate Drive, Shelton, Connecticut, 06484, telephone number 203 513-6000.